Welcome listeners to another episode of the David Crook Projects podcast. Today I'm speaking to Jao Orecchia. He is a Peruvian, Italian, Brooklyn-born and Johannesburg-based artist, composer, and maker of physical and virtual things. Well, welcome, Jack. <laughs> Over the last few months, you've been working at the David Crit Workshop with Gillian Ratz on a new body of work for your upcoming solo project at the David Crit Projects Gallery in May, mm-hmm. which is quite exciting. For those who aren't familiar with your practice, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background? I started learning music of self-taught and realized very quickly that my interest was as much in sound as music and so that affected my way of learning music and thinking about writing music and what kind of form it all takes so um, you know I started working with with installations and more abstract musical forms rather than sing songs standard and way of yeah. just producing exactly standard music that we hear these days right and I, and and I, I like to play instruments but I'm always looking for what's the range of sounds I can get mm-hmm. out of the instrument rather mm-hmm. than how can I become really good at playing this instrument you know so I have piles and piles of different instruments that I can all play just a little bit yeah. but you know it's just it's it's always more of a, an exploration yeah. of the, the palette of an object yeah. you know which is often yeah. a musical instrument but it can also be other things yes. you know, so that, that exploration has kind of guided a lot of what I do whether it's actually music or whether it's an installation or a sound piece because it's almost like you're you're experimenting with these in a sense with the different elements and kind of yes. even if you can just play them a little you get a sense of them and you know, how can we abstract it yeah. in a sense and then you know digitizing it bringing it to the computer world mm-hmm. and working with with you know sound design really mm. destroying the sound and seeing what else it can be yeah. you know if traditional recording of, of musical instruments is a kind of documentation or a documentation of a performance mm-hmm. or of, yeah an exploration of what else can happen with yeah. it afterwards. I think that's something so exciting about sound as a medium because there are so little boundaries which is quite freeing and quite an exciting thing. Do you yeah. often feel like it's a bit overwhelming? I've heard people say that but yeah. for me it's not it's, it's just exciting. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's the it's the thing that I like. Mm-hmm. Is that it can you can just play around with yeah, it so much. Exactly, so that you can never do something wrong either. The work that you're creating in the workshop relates to your scores and your previous performances, but can you tell us about your process of creating these scores? The, it, it starts with a, with a process, an idea for a process. Originally, I, I wanted to write a piece of music or write a score that could be performed by other musicians. And it's something that I had never really got around to doing. And then I was presented with the opportunity through the Center for the Less Good Idea. And when I sat down to do it, I also realized that my interests in writing music are such that I didn't want to write down notes for musicians to play to, to just repeat what I wrote down. So I tried to figure out a way to make it open-ended and allow interpretation and allow the individual personalities to come through and the score itself 
tries to look at the individual and the group as a whole and figure out how to put pieces together and how to have mm-hmm. them interact. So in a way that the process gives rise to an image that can be read, mm-hmm. but behind it is also a set of instructions that tells the musicians how to interpret yeah. that image. So yeah, it could be about uh, relative, it's often about relative pitch and timing is very important, which is why the video aspect is quite important. Yes. So it gives, it gives them cues of exactly when to start and start playing. And then, and most of the other things are quite fluid. So, you know, like I say, if there's, if there's a line towards the top of the screen, then they're playing a high note. Yeah. And their own expertise and uh, training and humor and restraint and limitations are all play into mm-hmm. what that particular performance of the piece mm-hmm. would be. But it can be quite different every time. Yeah. when you kind of start because it's these collaborative works that you do do you approach them you're like okay this is what I, I think it's going to be in this kind of the deck direction and does it normally just go completely left and you land up with something quite different yeah often often it changes because it's like I say if it's it starts with a process so then I do something then we try it out rehearse it and realize okay that doesn't work that does work okay, I need to change that bit of the image to speak more to Mm. what's actually happening in the room. But it doesn't often go completely somewhere else. It's it's more more a question of how how to develop the dialogue between myself and the musicians that we understand uh, what's going on. And at the same time, leaving it open enough that yeah. you know that they really feel that they can put themselves into it. Because yeah. I find uh, the personalities of the musicians is as important as the instrument they're playing or their expertise on that instrument. Because mm. you'll get something different between two people, even if they're playing the same instrument. You're gonna get a completely different feel yeah. and a different product in the end yes. which is quite exciting there's so much room to play around yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> and the score remains the score because it doesn't change in 2011 you started your first project with Devacrit Projects with a site specific installation called Intermittent with uh, a performer Joseph Suchi can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the performance sure so uh, I met uh, Joseph he was in town he's from Germany and we connected on a on a experimentation with music and sound sort of uh, ide- ideology and wanted to try out something using all these lots of little toys and objects and anything we could find that could make sound including instruments we both played guitar but the idea was to experiment with placement of things of of these things that are making sounds to try to cancel out any sense of directionality so we were trying to fill the space with sound as a material in a way so that when someone came in they should have the feeling that not that there's a speaker over there and there's sound coming out of it but that there's sound everywhere but not in an overwhelming way not in a way that is just like it's so loud that it feels like it's coming from everywhere, but that the, to work with those acoustics, you know, it's a, it's a white cube, cement floor, 
tricky for for certain kinds of things yeah. but what you know exploring what kind of what you can how you can make the most out of those challenges and it took quite a lot so we would go in and the performances were in a way we would we would move things around mm -hmm. and then do about an hour or two of a performance and sort of set things in motion and get up and walk around and see how what the sound was doing yes. in the space and then move it again and then over the course of the whole time by the end I think we, we achieved what we set out to that yeah. you know you could perform or, or even just set things in motion that make sound and, and the space would be quite full through performing your works do you find that it's it's a very important point to have that kind of the audience there and to have their interactions with it because um, you were saying like with um, the performance you did in 2011 that the audience, you tried that they don't feel overwhelmed by the sound. Mm. Do you think it's really important that the things get experienced by audience members and kind of do they ever participate in any way? Um, yeah, it's, it's very important. Before the, the performative aspect is extremely important. And even these scores where, where I had initially thought of them as process scores, I've started to think of them as performance scores where the instructions are actually about performance and not about uh, about musical notes or specific musical output. And I, I read something by Steve Reich, whose work I really admire, who was a pioneer of process music and process scoring. And he, he said that process music cannot have improvisation by nature. It lays out exactly what's supposed to happen in order, in detail, yeah. and so it's repeatable. And I thought, wow! I, so I, I read it, I reread it after having worked on on these these scores for a while. And I thought, my, my mind, like I almost broke my mind. And then I realized, well, it, he's probably right. Mm -hmm. And actually, what I'm what I'm trying to do is something else. I'm yes. trying to get musicians to perform in ways that they don't normally perform. So in in certain scores. The, you, I write um, solos into into the scores, mm -hmm. but the solos are can be like for the percussionist. Don't touch your instrument, okay. you know. Mm -hmm. And then the often the the first reaction in a rehearsal is to say, "Well, okay, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing." And then I have to explain, "Well, you know, the whole audience, everyone in the room is looking at you. Even the other musicians on stage are looking at you right now." Mm -hmm. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. You know, it's you're your still moment. performing, exactly. even though you're not actually touching any of your instruments. Yeah. And then through that, what comes out is amazing. And, and that, so, so that can only really happen in front of an audience mm -hmm. as well, because there's a, there's a performance energy that like can theater and then music yes. talk about performance energy. There's a different interaction. So it's a conversation that happens. A bunch of musicians can sit in a room and like, you know, converse with each other through music all day long, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have the same uh, the same energy or the same like things will change. You I put one person in the room, one audience member, or a hundred or a thousand, and things really change. It just shifts how you're approaching the score as well. Absolutely, yeah. And if you if you're performing in a theater or if you're performing in a bar, the audience and the audience's mind space and all of these things. Um, uh, it's kind of an like a like an ethereal energetic thing, but it's very real. It's you can feel it, 
And sometimes I do uh, try to involve the audience, but not too much because I all, I personally hate being in the audience and feeling yeah. like I have to do something. <laughs> no, I have to participate. <laughs> yes. I wasn't planning for it. <laughs> yes, I've come to I've come to spectate. I yes. want to spectate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I mean, I, there's one perform one piece that um, collaborated with William mm -hmm. on for in um, at the center and it's instructions for musicians and audience. Okay. And so so together we wrote. A, a bunch of instructions, written instructions for the musicians and then some for the audience as well. And they, they really, they went for it. Yeah. You know, sometimes they had to stand up, sit down, yeah. stand up again, bark <laughs> like a dog. Incredible. <laughs> you know, yeah, raise your, arm, your yeah. arms in the, in the air. Like and I think that. that's nice. It kind of then adds, it feeds to that energy. Yeah. And the musicians couldn't see the audience instructions. Oh, okay. So when the audience started barking like a dog or whistling... <laughs> And then you see over over the course of three, four performances, the musicians still get surprised and find it amusing as well. And so last year in 2018, you you began working with Jill in the workshop um, on a series of prints and wood blocks. Is this your first time working with printmaking and being in a printmaking environment? It is. Yeah, a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Printmaking, uh, especially using hard ground as a medium, which is a process of putting on a layer of, of, of wax that you then remove with a lot of line work and very focused on drawing. Have you always enjoyed the drawing process or is this also quite new to you? Um, drawing is, is more... I used to draw a lot uh, like if, since, since I could remember. And for some reason, I, I stopped when I started making music. I think I was about 19 when I started making music. And yeah, I just just stopped drawing. Uh, I, I kind of felt like working with sound it gave me a lot more and I could, I could go much further, much deeper into things with music. But when I started working on these scores, uh, I, I found that I, I, I needed some kind of a mechanism or some, some way of trying to make sense out of that process yes. because it is very open it is very experimental it is um uh, very intuitive it's mm -hmm. very much feeling my way through an exchange or a back and forth between an image and a sound and a performance mm -hmm. and the image and yes. the sound and the performance and and so so the only way i could really think to i don't write you know i'm not mm -hmm. so good at putting all my thoughts into words and so i started to draw them out mm -hmm. to almost in a way as a way of mapping out movements or or sort of curves of sound in the way it just it felt easier in such an abstract way mm -hmm. to map out what my thinking was around the connection between the image and the sounds yes. in in both directions mm -hmm. and what i then ended up with was something like a map that spoke to the, the mm -hmm. process and the sound and the, the video score. Yes. And I started to think, well, in the same way that, uh, you know, working with sound can be an open-ended exploration, I wanted to see what else I could do with these maps and how could I um, start to make more out of them and then also find ways of bringing them back into new scores or, yes. or 
folding them back onto the original video score to see what could happen mm. if that was then performed again. So yeah, coming back to drawing has mm. been has been quite exciting. Yes. It's been twenty something years since oh, I haven't really drawn very much and you know working with the with the hard ground is a bit of something you have to get a feeling for because it's a, a needle yes. and you know it works better in one direction yes. than another and, and those kind of irregularities are exciting. And kind of speaking of that, do you see that there's quite a parallel between the printmaking process and then your process of creating the scores? Absolutely. And and I think is one of the, the things I really appreciate about Jill here at the studio because I had started speaking to her about the possibility of doing, um, you know, turning some of these images into mm. prints. And, you know, it took a little while, uh, you know, things coming the way busy. And eventually she came back to me and we sat down and she started telling me about the process of printmaking and how she thought it related to my, my scores. And she was describing my process yes. of making these scores, you know, so through printmaking. So there really are a lot of overlaps and parallels. Mm. It's it's almost like, like film photography versus uh, digital photography. Yes. You know, there, there are steps that are followed and you don't know necessarily, you don't always know what is gonna, what's going to come out three or four steps down the line. With experience and mastery of craft, you can get to know. Yes. But there's also something exciting in, in not knowing or in enforcing mistakes or trying things that will, will make you not know what's going to come yeah. out and then, and then working with those that experimentation anomalies and experimentations. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's been, there's been a lot of that that we've been trying in, in the workshop to embrace those things, you know, we say, okay, we don't know exactly what will happen if we do this, so let's do that. <laughs> yeah. And that's so fun for us in the workshop to do, mm. because what I think one of the beauties of printmaking is that there are so many possibilities. Mm. You can, um, and I've seen that you've done some with the prints with some of the experimentation, you can overlay two images on top of each other and let's see how that turns out. Yeah. Um, let's use some machine collet to add a different texture. What will that do to what's printed? It does actually feed in so well to your practice because printmaking is just all about process and so is what you do. It's all mm. about that process. In February this year, you did a performance at, our, at the launch of uh, our print club which was the first time I was introduced um, to your scores and your performances, which was really incredible. And you mentioned earlier the, that there are videos that are playing as well. So just to give the listeners a better idea, I think you, you're performing um, the scores and then there's these video pieces that are behind you that the audiences can see, which are the, the video scores of what you're playing. And I think we have touched on this, but that's kind of that imagery is what you're then using within these prints yes okay. yeah yeah so so drawing elements out of the, uh, of that imagery to print and then recombine in different ways so mm -hmm. so a lot of the the prints are taking parts of different scores that are unrelated to each other in a way and and saying what happens when we put them together you know what happens when we when we say uh, map out what's happening in a, a video rather than taking, you know, extracting a, a still image out of the video, yes. but, but finding a way of mapping out the movement of what's happening or the, the idea of what's happening mm. and then combine that with another process, yes. you know. Or, or I really like this process of how everything starts to interlink 
with each other. Yeah. It's like you'll you'll start with one, that process develops, and then that process feeds into another process, and then that goes into another one. And with, at each kind of stop in those processes, the, the outcomes are so different, but there's still this connecting cord mm-hmm. that runs through them all. I'm glad that comes through. You predominantly work with, with black and white. I see that in a few of the prints that you've made that you've added hints of color. Mm-hmm. Is that quite new to you? And how how's that been playing around with not only learning about the whole new printmaking process, but also now playing a bit with color? Yeah, um, I, I've used color in the video scores primarily as a way of, of separating sections if you think of a, a, a an ensemble and you've got 10 people how do who knows how to play what so you know if there's red two three people are assigned the color red and they know that when they yes. see the color red they must respond you know so so it had a much more functional role in the videos and now working with it in print it's different i am drawn very much to the stock and of black and white but it's just part of the experimentation so as you mentioned with these image cores that you're now creating within the prints do you see that as being in like the final step with moving from the video scores into these very still static images um or do you think that they're going to develop then further into something else I'd like to see them develop into some further into something else. I think I think there's something I really love about them as as a moment. They exist. They're there. You know, we can put them on the wall, and that's. But then, you know, to to scan them and to start to bring that imagery back into future video scores that can can be performed and see because it's about how how you combine the different elements you know shapes and colors and uh, relation spatial relationships between between images over time so I'm, I'm hoping that to do that and and to perform some of those things at the exhibition okay so we'll have performances throughout the exhibition yeah. That's nice. And they can also work not only just to experience the performance, but then the prints prints feed into that. And I just want to talk also a little bit um, about the woodcut that you're making. From what I understand, um, it's a laser cut work of score lines, where you've then asked a few previous collaborators to send instructions to, to deconstruct it. Can you tell us a little bit more about the collaborative process of bringing other people into creating the schools. Yeah, so it, it's uh, the original image for that woodcut was a digital image of, of lines in different colors and and so so the the first iteration of it is being laser cut so that it's very perfect and, and mimics to some degree the digital image. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to involve all the performers because they've contributed so much to the process. You know, it's a, it's an open process, it's a porous process, and they they inject themselves into it. You know, and without the musicians, and the musicians are chosen quite carefully. It's not r- random. You know? I wanted them to be involved somehow in this exhibition or in this next iteration. And with the rediscovery of of drawing, I asked everyone who's performed uh, up to now any of these pieces to give me instructions to draw something. Okay. And some people responded very quickly, some are a little bit unsure, what do you mean? (laughs) Um, But I'm getting really interesting instructions and some of them are very concrete and some are very abstract. And the idea is that I'll, I'll start to draw these things on top of that woodcut and carve out okay. the wood and then we'll print iterations of mm-hmm. it. So we do, you know, the, the first one is clean, the, the second one has maybe three or four instructions and then the next one adds another three or four instructions. 
And by the end, that should become its own score. And I'll need to develop a set of instructions for myself to be able to perform to that perform score. that score. Yeah. I think once again, it's exciting how how you're then using the medium of print to reach that score. So I'm looking forward to the, hopefully the performances that are happening. Yeah, me too. It's going to be really great. And are you excited for how you're envisioning the exhibition to take place and the performances? Very excited, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a lot, but it's a, an amazing challenge. And it's it's playful by nature, you know, all of, all of these scores. And, and I think art making in general for me is, is playful. You know, it's an interrogation and it's and it's serious, but it's at the same time playful and humorous. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the show being up and then with the performances yes. and the interaction with the with the works and then real play can start. Yeah. You know? And then it becomes I think what's so nice about the performances that are gonna happen, it really makes you can involve so many people in it. Mm. Which is really nice. So it's not just here's arts works on the wall, yes. but by activating them. And you're so clearly going to be activating them because it's you're going to be performing those scores that are going to come through there. So really looking forward to that. Thank you. Um, but thank you so much, Zhao, for chatting to me. And thank, thank you to you. our listeners. And if our listeners want to know anything more about Zhao, um, I'll have a link to his website in the description. Um, and we will also send a link to the exhibition, which we're planning to open on the 14th of May, which is quite exciting. So keep your eyes for that. And we'll also send all the dates for the performances. Um, but thank you, listeners. And thank you, Zhao. Thank you. Thank you.